Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. MK all day, nearly every day. It's fantastic right now. We actually have a lot to get to. It's kind of flying under the radar. We're going to have a Bellator 249 preview. It's tomorrow. Hello. So we'll talk you don't about want to, that. You don't want to support what I just said, Luke? You don't want to I want to make sure that our Wednesday is I want to make first. sure that our Wednesday show starts at a quicker pace than our Monday show. But in any event, we have a Bellator 249 to get to. We have Fury and Wilder stuff to get to, which is seemingly never ending, plus some big news on the UFC side of things, so we'll get to that. We have your, let's see, art submissions we have to get to, we have Social Justice Wednesday, we have our deep dive, we have a very busy show. So first things first, as always, appreciate it when you do, thumbs up on it, hit that subscribe button. Brian and I made you a promise that when we went full time with this thing, there's going to be plenty of extra content. You know, we can always improve and we will, but I feel like we're well on our way. Brian putting out a great video, Five Reasons Why He Loves Loma Lopez. Did an interview with Teofimo Lopez. We had some stuff yesterday for Corey Sandhagen, spoke to him. And there's a whole lot more coming this week. So plenty of content every single day, plus the live chat tomorrow. Hello. There's a lot going on here on this MK channel. So please like and subscribe. We really appreciate that when you do. Uh, if you want some MK merch, BC... Looking good, right. Dad. Look at, Looking look at good that. there, Dad. Look at that. Looking look at that. not bad. Yeah, exactly. You can go to store.show.com. It's available right now. High quality stuff. I love it. BC will sign off on that claim. And of course, if you'd like to try Showtime, you certainly may. Showtime.com. Free trial. 30 days if you like it. If not, you can go pound sand. Okay, BC. We have a lot to get to. You ready to get this started? Yeah, just trying to make this 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 crap technical stuff work all right all right let's do it i'm ready i am wednesday's my favorite show luke let's do it all right all right three big topics to start the show let's kick things off with connor khabib a lot of moving parts here bc so help us understand what's going on here let's start with the because there's actually a lot of other people in the orbit but let's start with just those two connor and khabib we start with the connor side of things excuse me the khabib side of things first he spoke to espn's brett okamoto and Brett was like, is this thing between you and Connor done? Because Dana White said that you, you two were going to host uh, the coaches on The Ultimate Fighter, and it, your comments sort of scuttled that, or Connor's comments had, or, and behavior had scuttled that, excuse me. And he said, look, they could give me the UFC. They could give me $5 billion. I ain't fighting this chump. BC, is it time to give up on Khabib Connor too? Not yet. Okay, look, uh, Habib is a man of his principles. If he says things like, I may retire after this April fight, I don't ever want to, you know, this, as he said, this guy's shit. I don't want to be near a pile of shit. You can smell. Very true statement there. <laughs> Been around a lot of shit in my life. Uh, I will say I believe him in those regards, Luke. But I think there's still that glimmer of hope from the idea of what happens to Connor next. And it's very much fueled by a very obvious reason. Connor Habib too provided one or both brands is not damaged from the standpoint of taking a big loss before that and not being able to recover from that big loss remains the biggest fight you can make in all of MMA. I mean, it really is, Luke, okay? I don't know. Can we do Joe Rogan against Logan Paul's mom? Yeah, maybe we might get more crossover eyes, but it's the biggest freaking fight you can make. The only one that, you know, with the right promotion could go to 3 million pay-per-view buys potentially. It's astronomic, so you can never count it out. But I do think it comes down to where Connor goes next and what happens. And, you know, that's a simple straight up. If he beats, if he fights Dustin Poirier, and if he beats Dustin Poirier, 
I'm sorry. Like, it's going to be hard to keep him out of a Habib fight when you're talking about a potential April send-off next year or or maybe, you know, Habib decides to do two more next year, whatever. I know he wants GSP. It's just going to be hard because, Luke, not only do you have the financial realities of that, knowing UFC, knowing what this means for them, but also Connor leaps right back into the freaking title mix if he beats Dustin Poirier. There's really arguably no other bigger win he could get outside of... Gagey or uh, or Habib, who are going to be fighting each other, of course, to get himself right there. So I think the the, the soundbite we got there from Brett, and by the way, Ioana was right. Brett is the best-looking journalist in mixed martial arts. Um, it's more about the ultimate fighter. That does nothing for Habib. That I, I back him in saying there's no, you know, you, you could do anything to me. You know what I'm saying? You can give me an AIDS sandwich, and I'd say, where do I put the ketchup on it? Uh I get it. That's a vehicle that exposes what Connor does best. Talk trash. Talk bad about him. Habib wants nothing to do with that. I respect that. I'm not going to say, Luke, that the door is closed just given his hatred because if Connor beats Dustin, who else are you going to put in there? Even the great Tony Ferguson wouldn't have an available name that I think would allow him to leapfrog if Connor fights and beats Poirier. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, the, the key here is what... Connor does next and if he ends up taking the Poirier fight and we'll talk about the, some of the mechanics of what's happening there in just a second but you're right BC if he takes it and it's competitive but he wins and he wins emphatically and we all know if Connor has one gift he's got many of them but if he's got one real gift it's not just the gift of gab it's how to define the future when someone puts a microphone in his face People always ask you, what do you want next? What do you want next to the winning fighter? When they do that for him, he has a way of just shaping reality. And if he got on there and made the compelling case in the way that I think we assume he could, if he wanted to, that, hey, listen, Khabib, it's time. You got to do it. You can run and hide, blah, 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 blah. It's time. I've earned it. I beat Cerrone. I just beat Poirier. And again, the Poirier win would be the more significant of those two by a country mile. But still, you know, the two wins together in 2020, you can't, you can't say no to me anymore, especially given all the availabilities or lack thereof or, you know, Tony coming off of a loss. And so at that point, it puts a renewed pressure on him. The ultimate fighter can't really pressure Khabib because, one, he could just say no outright, which you can say any, anyway, but... The problem with the Ultimate Fighter is, one, it delays the fights, and how much does he want to just sit on the shelf to make a TV show? And two, it's totally superfluous. Like, it, it is absolutely just entertainment for entertainment's sake. It doesn't mean anything other than driving up sales for the UFC, which Connor and Khabib can both say, fellas, <laughs> got news for you. We don't need the Ultimate Fighter to sell this one. It might help in some kind of way, but we certainly... Do not yeah. need it. We got a right? dolly and a bus window that we already used, and it's just sold for life, Luke. Yeah, right? exactly. So, like, I get why the UFC would want it, because BC, there was an article that came out on ESPN talking about how much the regional scene has been devastated by the coronavirus in terms of the number of shows that can get out there. The Ultimate Fighter doesn't solve that, but you can see the UFC is leaning into Contender Series and maybe bringing Tough back as a way to kind of, like, jumpstart who's available to get that, 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 that sort of conveyor belt of new talent in. So I'm with Khabib in the sense that, and you in the sense that um, it's not done. It's done for right now unless Connor can just really find undeniable leverage to make this happen, which leads us, BC, to the sort of second part of this conversation, which is Connor got on Twitter and confirmed that he wanted the Poirier fight next, but they were working out some of the details that went to make it happen because he wanted a southpaw in Poirier before fighting a southpaw 
in Pacquiao. Now, what do you make of that? I make of that as just um, in a, a double down publicly, or at least this is what I hope, Luke. I'm not going to pretend I know what Conor McGregor's ever thinking, right? I mean, he's a genius in a lot of ways. He's also, you know, he's pretty crazy, too. On top of that, he's notoriously crazy. I would love to believe that because, uh, you know, Kevin Ioli came out a week and a half ago and said, hey, oh, by the way, Manny Pacquiao told me he doesn't actually have a deal with Paradigm Sports, Connor's management team. And then we happened to see this week a picture on Twitter of, of Manny holding up the contract. So now he is. I don't know what the hold up, the disconnect was. Um, would I understand that Connor would want this fight? Yes, of course, of course, 100%. There's so much money to be made. It's a real challenge for himself against a legendary boxer. I just don't think you ever do that, Luke, when you're in the midst of something. And right, and if he's going to fight Dustin Poirier, he's going to be in the midst of trying to regain you know, uh, the mountaintop he once had in the UFC's lightweight division to try to get back there and run back what was, you know, his most embarrassing defeat. Look, I know the the Nick, the, I'm sorry, the Nate Diaz first fight at 196 was a bit embarrassing because he gassed out and all that, but he redeemed that. There's a lot of self-embarrassment deep inside knowing the competitor he is on how uncompetitive he was with Habib. So I'm going to hope that this is just him uh, publicizing his new stablemate in Pacquiao, saying, yeah, of course I would love to fight this guy, and just using that as a double down to say, hey, UFC, just so you know, you know, I'm not going to take any kind of money you think I'm going to take. I am going to still be calling the shots here, and yes, I can go do this side thing at any time if I want. Because, Luke, why would you ever agree when you're in Connor's position, meaning you can take any fight you want seemingly at any time, right? Short of a, a title shot if that guy's already taken, why would you agree to go back down the competitive route and fight Poirier? I know we knocked him out, but we've talked about it already. I mean, the, the, the new Poirier is, is like the toughest fight you could make right now with Tony coming off a loss at lightweight and Justin already being in the title shot. So, uh, no, it doesn't do anything to me to believe that he would take that boxing match. Luke, try to tell me a reason why he would. He doesn't need the money. He has nothing to prove. He already did a pro boxing match, and I know, you know, he lost pretty pretty badly in the end, but he was fairly competitive. He didn't embarrass himself. If anything, I, you know, I was impressed, to be straight up honest with you, that he was able to, to handle himself for as long as Floyd let him. Tell me a reason why he would do this outside of control. See, this is where I can't decide what's happening, and maybe you can clarify it for me. I want to be very clear about what I'm about to say. I am not comparing the two things as total equals in fact far from it what i'm about to say is they have too sim too many similarities for me to ignore but too many differences for them to be all that alike and here's what i mean what is really the difference between what cm punk did in the ufc and what connor is trying at the high end of boxing and, and this is the reason why i make this analogy to a degree which is when people defended what cm punk was doing and i'm trying to have an honest conversation here i'm not trying to be demeaning but they were saying, you know, you have to respect someone who gets in there. It's very, very difficult. He trains really hard, all of which I'm certain is totally true. But if you really wanted to get good at MMA and compete at it, you cannot start at that level against Mickey Gall or, frankly, even against Mike Jackson. You need to start on an amateur circuit or at least a low-level pro circuit, and you have to work your way up. You have to go to grappling tournaments. You have to do whatever you can do to get as much requisite experience. And then what you, what you learn is through that incremental tiered system, you learn about your mistakes, your weaknesses, and you iron them out. And if you're good enough, you can progress up the food chain to get to a point where... Um, you can really test it against people that are, you know, if not elite in the case of CM Punk, maybe great on a curve, but, you know, very good. High-level regional fighters, the Mickey Gall type, you know, who's, who's UFC level in some degree, but you get the idea. 
But he didn't do that. He cut to the front of the line and had this appearance where it was like, you know, I'm going to take on a challenge that I just can't match, get paid good money for it, and people are just going to say I trained hard and I worked hard. Guys, every MMA gym I've ever been in and boxing gym I've ever been in was full of people who trained their ass off, and they didn't really get any credit for it because it's what you're supposed to do. Like, you don't get credit for doing the things that are just given. On the end of Connor, you sound, I by can't, the way, you sound like Chris Rock. There, I take care of my kids. Yeah, I didn't That's mean what it, you're supposed to do. I mean, I, yes, getting in there is something I've never done, so I have to tip my hat to CM Punk in that way, and I mean that sincerely. At the same time, taking overmatched challenges against things you can't possibly live up to for huge sums of money that doesn't tell me you actually want to get good at fighting. And it's the same thing with boxing. It's like, on the one hand, BC, you asked why would he want the Pacquiao fight? He's already wealthy. Well, I sort of believe Connor when he was saying, I don't mind getting out of my comfort zone and testing myself when he fought Floyd. I kind of believe that, to be quite honest with you. I, there is something to be said about MMA fighters going to jiu-jitsu tournaments and everything else and trying things where they're overmatched and just seeing what happens. On the other hand, BC, I get a little bit of the CM Punk vibe, which is to say, dude, if you really wanted to get good at boxing, you wouldn't be fighting Floyd in your opening debut. You wouldn't be fighting Pacquiao for huge amounts of money because you're probably not going to win either of those. You're going to get paid handsomely, and you're actually not going to get better at boxing that way. So which is it, BC? Uh, again, I, I hope it's leverage. I hope it's pressure. And, and that doesn't mean if it is leverage and pressure, it doesn't mean I, I think he still wants to fight Pacquiao for all the reasons you just said. And I think it, it also would make sense under the paradigm sports management household, right? When you're when you're drinking whiskey there with Audi, it would probably make a lot of sense for them to put all their big brands together. It's just, you know, double down what I said. It's like you're on the path again for that lightweight title. You're on the path for that Habib rematch, which is all you have friggin' talked about. And one more thing on, on Habib, though, Luke. Um, the idea of would he take a Conor rematch? Forget the ultimate fighter, but would he take a Conor rematch? Remember what he did say, I think, three months ago, the last time he was publicly asked about would you fight Conor? Would he be in the running for your April retirement bout if that retirement plan is still a thing? Luke, you remember what he said? If he beats Dustin Poirier, he said, in fact, whoever beats Dustin Poirier, a mm-hmm. guy who Habib respects, who he deemed at the time as, you know, the number one contender separate from Justin Gagey, um, yeah, if he beats him, Habib, I'm sorry. You're going to have to take that fight or, or retire. Yeah, also, this, the weird thing about Habib is, like, if you don't want to fight Conor because you think he hasn't earned it, and I would agree, beating Cerrone is not sufficient. you got to beat Poirier. But let's say he goes in there and he beats Poirier in what, convincing, whatever that means, convincing way. Then, you know, again, Habib kind of has to pay the piper at that point, even if he is the champion. However, when he makes these comments about Conor being, like, low class or low quality or, you know, character... Uh, you know, missing. It's like, you know, I don't know what the situation is that makes him or compels him to want to buddy up to, you know, Ramzan Kadyrov and various other figures of ill repute. I don't know what that is. There could be a lot of politics involved there, self-preservation. I, I don't know. No one really knows what the answer is, and we'll probably never get one. But your argument for how weak Connor is in terms of his moral, uh, you know, uh, centering it falls apart. It, you can't make that one. You want to make any other argument about worthiness or you just don't like the guy. Fuck the guy. You just don't like him. Fine. I'll buy it. But you got pictures on Instagram with Kadyrov. You know, hold your horses a little bit on, you know, who the guy is that um, deserves to have his character examined. 
I mean, I guess that's fair, but you know, everybody's got good and bad in them, Luke. Even you. Uh, I did. I'd be remiss <laughs> if I didn't go back to the well, though, Luke. Um, was Joanna right what she said about bread? And that is no disrespect to people like Laura Sanko, John Morgan, and the blue shirt. Uh, uh, is 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 Joanna correct? Certainly, I wouldn't challenge it, but it's not a question I've thought deeply about. I'll put it that way, BC. And you bring it up, by the way, an uncomfortable amount of times. I just want to point that out. It's my guy, all right? Come on. It's my guy. Hey, I like him too. I like him too. You've got to protect your own, Luke, in this this space, all right? There's a lot of sharks out there, as you have so eloquently put many times. I was texting him about his newborn, giving him some advice. We had a great conversation, so it was good. Because if you cross him, by the way, I'll get in the middle of that in a second, okay? Thank you. Oh, yeah. Who would you be? What would be the equivalent there? What, what What are you asking me? Like friend versus friend, and you're that middle guy. What's the equivalent? That's a, that's a good point. I, I'd be Miss Elizabeth in the Hogan and Savage uh, uh, Mega Powers Explode <laughs> there, but I know you don't speak that language there. But uh, yeah. No, that one I get. That one I get. What happened to Miss Elizabeth? Let me guess. She died in some bathtub in Reno? Yeah, with Lex Luger. No, straight up, she, she, she did too much coke with Lex Luger. That was a bad marriage for her, and, and uh, oh, she couldn't handle God. it. Her little body couldn't handle that, it, Luke. It's happened before. It's a dangerous drug. Didn't lend bias teach us anything. You know what? God bless Lynn Blast. God bless. Uh, I didn't know she died that way, so I, I retract my, yeah, don't my speak joke about her dead. sadness. Please. please. All, right. Uh, all, right. all right. So we move on to topic number two here, BC. There is a Bellator show, and to me, this is kind of their official kickoff on Thursday nights. Bellator 249 is tomorrow. Cyborg is back in action. She takes on Arlene Blenko in your 145 main event. BC, let's break some of this down because the card actually is pretty good. Yeah. Um, we start with the main event, Arlene Blenko. She's on a three-fight win streak. She has wins over Leslie Smith. She's from, by the way, uh, I think Australia, if memory serves. She might, be, she might be Kiwi, in which case, please don't kill me, people from Oceania. But she is certainly from that region of the world. I watched a lot of tape on her in preparation for today's show. You know what, man? She got some decent boxing. She has she, good she, jab. She has some pro boxing fights, too. She, exactly. she can fight, Luke. Yeah, no, she's got hands. She has a good jab. She's got good footwork. Here's the problem for me, BC. One, she's 5'6". While she is naturally sized, I think, for 145, she could probably make 135 if the, if the Bellator would accommodate that, which at the moment they don't. And more to the point, on the ground, she's not necessarily as level as she is in striking. And this is the problem with fighting Cyborg. It's like, okay, pick your poison. You want to slug it out with her? Maybe you can do well. Certainly Amanda Nunes did, but that's pretty rare. Or she can just wrestle you and take you to the ground. What kind of chance do you give Arlene Blenko? I mean, not a great chance, obviously, because Cyborg's been so dominant. And as you just laid out, Blenko's strengths kind of play in to, to Cyborg's strengths. So it's like, are you going to outslug stri- Cyborg? You know, probably not. I think you do have to c- take into a few, couple factors here. One, you know, at some point, Cyborg's going to show up old in the cage. And, and, you know, maybe you can argue that we already saw some signs of it. Some people think the Amanda Nunes fight was a big, you know, uh, asterisk on there. I don't. I just think uh, Cyborg got too in love with getting in a brawl with somebody who was willing and able and was on her level and was like, yeah, I'll test myself right now and got served for it. Cyborg is, though, you know, time is going to slow her down. So if Blenko can box rather than slug, maybe she's got a chance. I don't love her chances. I do like her in this fight, though, meaning this. One of the benefits, Luke, of 
of, of Cyborg making this switch, not just the personal benefits of being in an organization and somebody, Scott Coker, who she respects and has history with, with Strikeforce. And look, she really feels like she got a raw deal with UFC. And I think to a large degree, if you look at the history of it, save for that video she put her team put out, she pretty much did get a, a raw deal. Uh, she's in a place where they have legitimate 145-pound women. They don't just have all blown-up bantamweights. So I think when you look at Blenko's history, her only losses in Bellator, Luke, and she's been in there forever, are to like a still prime Marlis Kunin by submission and then two really close decision losses to Julia Budd one by majority decision one by split decision for the title so her she's on a three fight win streak give her a chance Cyborg should win and I think obviously Cyborg's the right use of sort of this American debut of the CBS Sports Network for Bellator which is a strong move for them uh, in terms of getting a line with the Sports Network we went through all that before but no I, I'm not going to pick the upset here and give Blenko more chances than she deserves at this point um, I do want to watch cyborg closely though i know you know this even with having an actual 145 pound division as opposed to the ufc which again mostly has blown up bantamweights um there's just you know there's only a certain finite amount of actual women's featherweights who would have a chance against her i do like that bellator has julia bud who she beat for the title of course they want to build toward a rematch there you also have kat zingano who's still lingering and coming off a win in her bellator debut after the long absence so i want to watch closely does Cyborg still have it at this level in this fight? And I think that's the real hook. The interesting part for me here is that I think Blenko is probably overmatched. I've not looked at the odds. It's winnable to the extent that it stays on the feet, but but that's probably about it for me. But what is kind of interesting is, BC, you, know, you think about what Dana White's criticisms were of Cyborg as she exited, and there were many, but one of them was basically that Cyborg wanted easy fights. Now, I certainly would not call Blenko an easy fight, but probably not the same kind of challenge as facing, um, you know, Amanda Nunes or Holly Holm or something else, even though I think Cyborg could still compete against both of them pretty well. I favor Amanda, but you get the idea. I don't think it'd be a blowout if she fought smarter the second time. But you know what? It's, it's, it's weird. I actually agree with Dana that she did, but you got to remember something. One, Bellator is trying to build this division. What better person to build 145 if you don't have Amanda Nunes than Cyborg? That's probably the best in terms of name value and what she still can offer. And two, Cyborg's 35. She's 35 years old. Dude, for a female athlete, for a male athlete at 145 pounds, that is not young. She's been fighting on national television for well over a decade at this point. I actually feel like she's doing the Bellator senior thing, but no one really notices because yeah. it's a division that needs a lot of work in terms of its depth and development and the identification of the next stars and recruitment. So it's actually a way for everyone to win. Bellator wins because they get Cyborg, and you can use that as a signpost to build around. She still gets fights that are winnable, but you know she still has to train for them and be competitive. But she's not going to get killed against you know the very, very best where her, her uh, record might take a hit. And what I would say is, I'm not saying she's retiring tomorrow, BC, but it probably is the last stage of her career. I do not anticipate her fighting after Bellator. I think she'll probably so retire is, here. You're saying this is like when Fedor uh, entered the Strikeforce uh, Grand Prix, that that era of her career, you're saying? Mm, sort, yes, but like remember, Fedor was fighting Bigfoot. I was there in New Jersey the night he got beat. She doesn't have to worry about that. She's not fighting the exact same level of competition again. I'm not saying Blenko is some pushover. I'm saying I think there's still a reasonable case to be made for Cyborg's eventual victory. But it's this weird situation where, like, Dana's right, but 
he's not right in the way that he thinks he is, Bellator actually gets a lot of benefit from a situation where Cyborg's 35 and needs this last chapter to not be as arduous as the middle chapters, if that and, makes and sense. And let's be honest, we've seen uh, Cyborg throughout most of her career being in uncompetitive fights because she's been so dominant and, and there hasn't been a deep pool of people for her to fight. I mean, even in the great UFC, they were, you know, scratching and clawing to find a Tanya Evinger, uh, uh, Maheda's wife, anyone to, to, to step up at last minute. Kuditskaya. So, so that, you know, we've already been through. Who did you say, Luke? What's her name? Yana Kunitskaya. Kunitskaya, Yeah, Yeah, shout out to her. Uh, You know, so we've already seen enough of her blowing people out. It could actually get fun as she starts to, you know, slip a little bit and get slower if she ends up being in a little bit more competitive fights. But I want to ask you this, because there's always rumors lingering about, like, you know, her link to certain fights that are hard to make. She's 35 now. We don't know how long she's going to fight. Which of the three super fights left for her are most likely to happen First, or at all, Luke. Here we go, okay? You ready for this? Uh, a boxing match against Katie Taylor of, of uh, the, the lightweight champion right now, all four belts on the women's side, an MMA fight against PFL's Kayla Harrison, or should she go on some kind of run and her contract come up, a rematch with Amanda Nunes under the UFC? The Kayla one seems the most likely. The Kayla one. The Katie Would Taylor one. You? Would it move you at all? Would any of those move you at all? I I still feel robbed we didn't get her and Amanda part two. Um, I forget the uh, Dutch lady she fought. Cyborg went on a kickboxing fight for Lion Fight. If you remember that promotion back on HDNet uh, the day, it was, um, oh, God, I forget her name. Um, What was it? uh, I forget. I forget. Yorina Bars. Yorina Bars. And she got worked over like a summer job. Yorina Bars beat her ass from pillar to post. But you know what? She kind of stood in there and took it. It was pretty amazing to watch. Katie Taylor, I suspect. What does what, what Katie Taylor's walk-around weight? Uh, yeah, I don't usually ask women that. She fights at 135, so probably, what, 148? Yeah. yeah, 150-ish. So yeah. you could make it, but Katie Taylor would probably have her way, I suspect. She'd smoke her. Look, Katie Taylor's a, a slick boxer with technique and, and angles. Like She'd smoke Cyborg, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. So then, so then you get the other two. The Amanda Nunes one I just don't see as... UFC doesn't want to be in the cyborg business. So the, the, the one that's interesting is Kayla Harrison because uh, while she is with PFL, which seems to have some kind of ESPN-UFC association with them, I don't know how fair that is, but it feels that way. Nevertheless, you, you get a scenario where she's going to want a big fight. Coker will co-promote when the time calls. We've seen that. And that's a more interesting fight you could make than anyone in the UFC except Amanda. But like... Would they sign Kayla, who's a natural 155-er, to compete at 145? Can she make 145? Cyborg, it seems to me, would be more willing to accommodate the size differential that Kayla might enjoy. Okay. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Um, Luke, uh, uh, what, did you, do you ever think um, what a Cyborg-Rousey fight at a catchweight 140 would have looked like? Do you ever think about that? Well, See, that was the other part, too. It's like, this is why I think she ended up with Bellator. When she left UFC, I'm not saying Cyborg never made mistakes or didn't handle things in bad faith or things she could have done better at a bare minimum. I I think when Dana makes some criticisms about her, some of that has to be true. Which parts, you decide, but it can't all be that the UFC just abused her. I, I, I don't believe that. On the other hand, there's enough there to see from the UFC side where they tried to make her go below 145 that, you know, it was just... 
they, they, their relationship had sour to the point of irrepar- uh, irreparable, uh, you know, they, they, they'd, cr- they, they'd moved into a new stage of things. Um, you know, Coker's not going to do that. It's not going to be in a position where they ever have to think about those things. And so if they had ever made a fight where Cyborg could have made the weight where she, you know, naturally was, I think she would have. I, I, at the time, I thought Rousey would have done a, lot, a little bit better. In retrospect, I think Cyborg would have thrashed her. Yeah, she would have absolutely smoked her. It would have been interesting to see, though, if obviously if Rousey could have gotten her to the ground. You know, we, we always hear about Cyborg's ground game. You don't really see her in spots where she has to use it, though. Yeah, she's pretty good. I saw her compete, God, years ago uh, in a gi tournament. I think she was only, I'm not sure where she was, I'm not sure what level it was, maybe purple or brown, something like that. And uh, she was good. She was tossing those girls around like it was nothing. So um, I, I suspect, you know, not Olympic level judoka good, but probably pretty good. Um, elsewhere on that card, BC, this is an interesting fight. It's falling by the, the wayside here in terms of uh, visibility. Patricky Freire taking on Jaleel Willis. Now, Jaleel Willis is your, or was, your reigning welterweight champion out of LFA. Probably the one of the more preeminent shows in North America in terms of d- recruiting and discovering and developing talent. Taking on Patricky Freire, the brother of Patricio, and Patricky said something kind of interesting, BC. First of all, this fight's at lightweight, which is, I didn't know Willis was going to go down to lightweight. That, that is interesting. Secondly, Patricky said if he wins this, Patricio might just drop the belt so that he could get a title shot. Is this a really? title shot eliminator? Uh, I don't, I mean, look, but, but correct me if I'm wrong, Bellator isn't overflowing with names at lightweight at the moment, right? No. Uh, but still, that seems a little shady, even with the brother-on-brother trick right there. I, that seems a little a little weird. But you got to say this. We always look at Patricky as the other brother, the Ozzy Canseco of the two. Yet he is, hasn't lost Luke in four years, and he fights often since that incredible one-punch knockout by Michael Chandler. Remember when Patricky had the weird 70s porn mustache and he got sent to hell and really one of the best one-punch straight-up knockouts in recent MMA history? He's done nothing but win since then. So uh, he's on a nice little run here. By the way, they're not twins, Luke. I was under the belief they were. This is one of the great, I didn't know that. You know the Pitbulls, not twins. Yeah, they're just brothers. Um, yeah. By the way, thought, the, right? The the Canseco reference I don't think is very fair. It's a little bit more like, well, it's even Frank the Antoni- no, Frank even Stallone? the Antonina Shevchenko one isn't uh, fair. That that he's better than that. I mean, he's got his limits. You saw what Chandler did to him, um, but he's actually Jeremy still- Giambi. Is that where you're going? Should have slid, by the way. Should have slid against Jeter there. In o- maybe in o- one, maybe huh? you could do the Giambi one. Um, I don't think that's quite right. But but the point I would make is he's the, the difference between Willis and and Patricky is that. Willis is actually pretty good. I watched some tape on him. He's got he's well rounded. He can do a lot of the modern things, but his game is not exactly at the highest level from what we can tell. It's not exactly as dangerous as Patricky. Patricky is very much of a finisher in part because he takes more risks. So this will be a very interesting challenge where Willis can manage space and distance. He can extend rounds if he needs to. He can wrestle if he needs to. He's got a decent ground game. And then Patricky, you know, he takes some losses that can be quite bad, but at the same time, he could dish out some punishment uh, as well. So 
could be a nice contrast of styles there. We'll see how that one goes. I just don't know if it's a title eliminator. That, that's a little strange. No, it's not. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be. Uh, but in respect to the uh, brother on brother thing there, in your family, to your brother who completely straight up gave me the Thomas no sell on my Instagram DMs, are you <laughs> Patricio or Patrici in the Patricky in this? Uh, we, we, we normally would call him free air, but to you, they're Guy Fietti or however you, your Colombian pronunciation is. But which one are you, Luke? It's not Colombian. It's Friday. I don't know how they go from free air to Friday, but that's how it was told to me by people who speak Portuguese. So I'll take that for what it's worth. Secondly, I'm definitely I'm Patricio. American, Luke. You're yes, Patricio. The, yeah, wow. American is not an excuse to claim ignorance. I hope that you understand that. Uh, I, I thought it was Sade for years. Turns out it's Chardet. Well, who, who knew? <laughs> no, it's not Chardet. It's Chade. Chade. Oh, um, I'm definitely Patricio of the two. He's, okay, okay. he's, you know, he's, a, he's, he's Ozzy. Not, he's, he's Ozzy Canseco. Yeah. I'm sorry. I mean, right? he's, 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 he's no, no, he's Mark Hughes. I'm Matt Hughes. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's like that. Yes. Yeah. You're, you're uh, Jim Miller. He's Dan Miller. Right. Hey, right? Dan Miller is pretty good. <laughs> Dan Miller had a great guillotine in IFL. Okay. Uh, okay. Last but not least, Bandejas versus Ego is actually the most competitive fight on this card. I would argue Bandejas, the guy who sent, yeah. uh, James Gallagher to hell. Leandro Ego got sent to hell by Aaron Pico, but actually a very, very good fighter. Both of these guys tend to get losses when they when they go that level up. So they're trying to decide who can be who can be the one that doesn't falter when they have to really, really, truly level up. Um, strikers, well-rounded. ATT, I'm not sure where Ego trains out of. It might be Nova Uniao, but in either case, hell of a fight. I like this one. I like this one a lot as well. And this is what Bellator kind of gives you often on these undercards. It's just straight up bangers with hungry guys. Luke, you know where the most savage uh, pro MMA fights are conducted? Have you ever been to a uh, Bellator fight and watched the post limbs after the main event ends, oh, Luke? Have it's, ever- it's, it's human God. sacrifice. It's human sacrifice. And the thing is, when one guy gets knocked out in the fight, first of all, there's only usually like 15 people left in the crowd. It's like the the local gym and the parents from the one guy and then the other people on the opposite, and they scream like crazy. When somebody gets sent to hell, which is usually instantaneous, they they drag the body out, and the next fight is like ding, 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 here we go. It's it's brutal, dude. It's brutal. Dude, they don't even – at that point, they're like, fuck the entrances. You know, there's no post-fight speech or whatever. Get in there, murder this other guy, fight to the death. It's like the scene from, uh, you know, uh, Django Unchained, where Leonardo DiCaprio hands one of those dudes the hammer. It's like here, yes. you know, finish off the job, and then they just give the hammer to the next guy. Yeah, in the rotation. very reminiscent of Jasmine St. Clair's gangbang. Absolutely, yes. Uh, last thing that should be noted on the prelim card is a prospect that all of MMA should be aware of. Kyle Crutchmer, who's 6-0, he heads into this contest. This is a guy who wrestled out of Oklahoma State. He wrestled uh, internationally for a time and is now making his way into MMA. Very, very good, very athletic, still very much in the developmental stage, so don't expect the world, but he appears to be somebody you should keep an eye on for when he a few more fights from now, maybe a year or so, he might be ready for a big step up. Kyle Crutchmer, keep your eyes on him. All right. All right, right, very good. Uh, And then topic number three, BC. All right, let's let's make sense of this. And we got Roy Jones talking to Joe Rogan. I want to get into that too. But Fury and Wilder 3 appears to be donezo. At a bare minimum, it does not appear to be happening in 2020. Fury said, I'm moving on. And we haven't really heard from Wilder, but his manager, Sherry Finkel, excuse me, says, uh, you know, it's still on. Don't worry about it. It's not going anywhere. What is going on? What is the big takeaway from what appears to be the end of Wilder Fury 3? 
Yeah, we teased this on Monday's show, and since then, Bob Arum, who, of course, is the co-promoter of Tyson Fury, uh, talked to ESPN and said, look, uh, we haven't heard from the from the Finkel PBC side outside of that soundbite you mentioned from Shelly Finkel, and obviously uh, Wilder's co-manager, uh, Al Heyman of the PBC, doesn't talk to the media. So from Arum's point of view, Luke, and this is very interesting, they did have a contractually obligated window to make the trilogy fight. Arum claims that the PBC side who, of course, thought Wilder you know, was going to win the rematch, wanted that window as small as possible because they thought Wilder would knock out Fury, let's get the trilogy out of the way, and then we can move on. So they claim that that, that window has expired, and Fox and PBC, which would, you know, Fox would be the other half of the co-pay-per-view with ESPN, their unwillingness to fit this in in December, uh, according to Aram, there are no legal you know, things against him, and this fight is off. So this is very interesting. And Aram did blame it on Fox saying we could not accommodate that pay-per-view window in December. They preferred late January or maybe even February. Luke, you could make the argument we kind of have on this show before that, you know, we didn't necessarily need this fight right now. I'm not saying we, we don't need this fight ever. I think, you know, you're going to see this trail. You may see the four fights between them before it's all said and done. But because of how one-sided the that loss was, and because a lot of people, including me, already felt that Fury kind of got robbed in the first fight and had done enough to beat Wilder. Not kind of. He did. He got robbed, all right? Straight up. Um... We didn't actually need this next. I think it's very interesting if we don't go here, and it doesn't look like they are. Fury has already announced that he wants a December, I think it's fifth, comeback fight in England. Uh, in terms of opponents, uh, Lucas Brown, who's a journeyman heavyweight from Australia, had some drug issues in the past, came forward and said they're talking to him. I'm not really sure where they're going with that one. But um, for the idea that Wilder, if you give him time to rebuild, what could he look like? And this is a very interesting topic to me, Luke. We know, as we talked about the other day, they got rid of Mark Breland in that corner. JD is still there. But Floyd Mayweather has been training fighters more and more, not like officially as the lead trainer, but more helping out. He's playing a big role in Gervonta Davis's corner heading into this Leo Santa Cruz fight. We've heard him say in the past uh, publicly that he would, you know, he thinks he could do a lot with Wilder. Now you've got Roy Jones Jr. on the uh, Rogan show. And by the way, that was a very good episode yesterday. Um, kind of saying the same thing, you know, give me a, give me six months, give me a year with this guy and I can make that left hand a weapon. And when you look at Wilder, the right hand is an all time right hand. Obviously he's very athletic. He has overcome in the past many times his inability to be a pure boxer. Some fights, the jab works great. The more skilled fighters he gets into, the jab isn't a weapon. Uh, I feel like this is the best move for Wilder overall, Luke. Why not go back in there? Because, you know, he's going to knock out 90% of the heavyweight division. It is what it is. Why not go in there, build more confidence, maybe bring in a new co-trainer, and maybe figure this thing out. And if you have to sit on the sidelines as Fury attempts to unify against Anthony Joshua, well, you're going to be the guy they want to face coming out of that, you know, to, to for all four belts. And, oh, by the way, they're probably going to be thinking – you're an easy path to victory because of how badly he lost to Fury. Now, again, he's got, he had a left biceps injury and, and he had surgery for it afterwards. That played a part as much as the stupid excuse of the heavy uh, costume did. I have to believe under any circumstance he would be more competitive than people think coming out of that. But what do you think Wilder's future looks like? Would you, would you, would you really try to blow this up and really try to teach the old dog some tricks here? Here's the thing about Wilder that you know, I sort of admire and I don't. He is one of these guys who has made a point to say, you can come from Alabama like I did and you can be something in this world. You know, he's still training at the gym, 
where he began to train, where he walked in the door, basically, or as soon as J.D. Diaz discovered him. There might have been another one along the way, but in general, he didn't go out to California to train at Wildcard. He didn't, you know, he didn't go down to Florida to find some gym uh, you know, that were, were Cotto or Keith Thurman had trained or something. He stayed in Alabama, and that was good enough to do what he did. It is clearly not good enough to get him where he wants to go, or at least at this point, uh, return. So, is he going to remain loyal to the point where, like, almost like a Cody Garbrandt alpha male situation, where even Cody now realized, I gotta go expand my horizons a little bit, but what I mean is, you know, pre-ultimate fighter with, with TJ Dillashaw, is he gonna say, you know, I'm Jay Diaz or bust, I'm gonna bring in somebody else, but no one really who's gonna have the power to do a whole lot. Like, even if he brings in Roy, or if he brought in Floyd, let's say, Roy seems to be a little bit more realistic because Roy will accommodate fighters in terms of, you know, living there and whatever. Is he going to listen to Roy? Is Roy going to have the power to really make an impact? It's like, it's not that I don't believe Roy has wisdom to impart. The question is, who is Wilder at this stage in his career? Who is he as a man? Does he listen to other people in that kind of a way? Seems to me he is very loyal, perhaps to a fault, and stubborn to a fault. And so as much as I recognize there's room for development uh, from the outside looking in, the question is internally in the heart and the mind of Wilder, is he ready to let in people to have that room for improvement? He and I'm be. very, very skeptical of that. Yeah, if he's not, then you know, it's, it's, it's over. It's, it would be hard to favor him against the truly very elite out there, the, the, the Furies, maybe even the Joshuas, Alexander Usyk, if he ends up you know, doing that and, and climbing that ladder and showing us what he is. Um, I hope he would be humble enough to say, okay, it hasn't worked. And maybe, again, maybe the, the exit of Mark Breland isn't all about throwing in the towel. Maybe this is the beginning of a reshaping. If he wanted to stay loyal to Jay Diaz and the whole crew in Alabama, that's fine. We've seen before, Luke, Bringing in a co-coach, bringing in an advisor type of deal. I mean, Tyson Fury just did that, sort of flipped the script and uh, brought in a new guy and exactly. got more offensive. Would you Now, look, the Roy Jones one seems to work from this standpoint. Jones was just a different boxer from everybody else. He was able to break rules because he was so athletic. And you would think, in theory, that's going to be hard for him to teach regular orthodox fighters who don't have his athleticism how to do that it works when he's training chris eubank jr right now who's another guy who isn't traditional is more about power and surge and athleticism well so is wilder so i think that could be a very interesting one how about teddy atlas how, teddy how atlas about is an interesting just, one i mean you could he'd have to really get humble deontay and bite down but you know i'm torn between this idea do you get somebody, Luke, who tries to fill in the gaps of what you don't have, meaning technical ability, boxing sense, and you know you could already make the argument if Mark Breland, who's a you know beautiful technical boxer, can't help change that, who can? Or do you go the other route and double down on his strengths? Do you bring in a Freddie Roach and say, offensively, you're the best offensive heavyweight fighter we've seen in a long ass time. Let's find ways to be even more dominant offensively. I mean, which direction do you go if you're Al Heyman and Shelly Finkel in this regard? I, I think you go more the latter, but not in the way that maybe the question suggests, right? You cannot reshape Wilder. It's too late. His development is what it is at this point. You know, the guy is, if not 30, certainly near it. Um, you know, he is going like to fight the way... He, yeah, He's Yeah, exactly. So like, so, like, to the point being is he's going to fight the way he's going to fight. However, let's take those instincts and how do we use those to maximum advantage? Adding some offensive tools, some trickery, some camouflage, I think Roy could be very good for that. And also, you know, we spoke – you talked to fighters. 
finding ways for him to create more openings and to make him a little bit more selective about how he throws, giving him some different looks to achieve, right? So creating openings, which he could not really do against. The problem he had against Fury was, the, even the first time, he couldn't force Fury to be open. Now, a couple times he found it because you, if you're not you know, 100% dialed in the whole time, you know, okay, he'll be patient and he waits and he's got that home run right hand. But, you know, what, how can we take this guy who's got this home run right hand and just create a few more cracks in the armor? That would have a major impact. This guy's waiting until the seventh, eighth round to flatten people because he has to wait that long for them to make a mistake. Well, what if you could get that by the second or the third or the fourth? That's a game changer, man. And I don't think that's that far away. So Roy, to me, would be kind of perfect in that regard. One more note about this, though, BC. This is the other part. It's like, okay, Fury, uh, you know, is moving on. You understand his perspective. Maybe that, maybe that expedites the timeline for a Joshua fight, although he's got work to do in front of him. But here's the other part about it. It's like, I understand Wilder may or may not improve, and it might be better the third time if he does improve. But in the interim, I don't know when the Joshua fight's going to happen with Fury. And then the other part is with Fury, it's like, I got to now watch Fury versus Valin too. And yes, I know Valin gave him trouble the first time, but a lot of that seemed like the element of surprise. And also, Valin was a little bit underrated. Okay, fine. And he got away with the cut. Fury did. But do I really think a second crack is going to prove that he's better than Tyson Fury? I definitely don't. It just seems to me there's going to be a lot of waiting for something that might be better later. But shit, dude, in the interim, it's a lot of nonsense that I don't care yeah. about. And, and I just want to double down on one thing. If you're in Wilder's team and you're a pro Wilder guy, you may not have to panic. Because, again, what Fury did to disarm him by having an active guard and basically taking his jab away completely, look, there's really nobody else that can do that. You know, maybe Alexander Usyk, like, but he's not six foot nine with long arms. So you do need to add something. You don't have to panic too much, even with that one-sided loss, because there just aren't guys who can do that. There aren't guys who can avoid that punch. There aren't guys who can take that punch. But what I think the most interesting fallout of this, and you just teased it, is, you know, there are a lot of fans who don't want to see a third fight right now with Fury and Wilder. Don't feel like there's anything else to learn. They want to see Fury Joshua. You know, you mentioned Joshua's got mandatories. We got to get through that. But Fury Joshua is such a freaking massive fight. Luke, is that the biggest fight you can make in boxing right now? And I know that there's different metrics to that, to what makes the biggest fight. Like, is that one of the only fights you can get a ninety grand, ninety thousand people in a soccer stadium in Europe? Yeah, probably. But is that the biggest fight even in America for American casual sports fans that you can make in the, in the entire sport right now to get people to care outside of using a Logan Paul or a Floyd Manny too? I guess. I mean, maybe Floyd Manny too is the answer. I don't know. Oh, someone's computer's on. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Hey, hey, guys, can we? Uh... Someone's computer is is blasting audio, which is not awesome. Uh, it's a live Shoemaker, show, guys. Turn off your coming? effing computer. Thank you, sir. Jay, um, where's Jay? Jay, jump in there. I would say I'm trying to think of a Canelo fight that could rival that. If you did Canelo Floyd two, would that be That's bigger? A good point. That's a good point. Okay, so that would be bigger. Yeah, yeah, that would be bigger. I mean, but that's just not. I don't. I don't believe that's realistic. No, neither, so, neither do I. I'm just thinking in theory, like what you could reasonably look. That's make. a you put all four belts on the line, Fury Joshua, given their personalities and the size of them, dude. That's a big ass fight. That's a, a. I mean, that's. It's it's huge. There's there's no denying it. It's absolutely huge. Um, okay, so there you have it. Those are our top three topics for today. So BC, what's the order here? We're going to do Social Justice Wednesday, and then you want to do the fan submissions. What do you want to do? 
Uh, yeah, first, do you want to tell people what they should be listening to? Uh, oh, yes. Let's, uh, here we have a promo for uh, Kay Galazzo, which is uh, we want to welcome a new show to the CBS Sports Podcast family. Kay Galazzo is a daily soccer podcast that aims to bring you the best analysis and commentary from the world's game. They'll have gambling previews and immediate match recaps and react to all the latest news from the Champions League to the Premier League to Americans in Europe. No La Liga reference. Uh, and everything in between. It's truly a must-listen if you are a soccer fan. Episodes available now. You can go subscribe to K Galazzo on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are found. Luke, enlighten us. And by the way, I'm sure it's a great show. Shout out to the CBS Sports Podcast family. It's uh, it's fantastic. Uh, some of the best fantasy pods in the game. Big fan also, by the way, of uh, of Sam. You, you listen to Samson's show? Uh you know, you know, uh, David Sampson, the ex-Florida Marlins, Montreal Expos executive. He's got a great show uh, that really breaks down the inside. No, you know, no bullshit on that. Uh, Luke, what does K. Galazzo mean? You're usually the the Spanish guy who jumps in and corrects us here. What does that mean? What a goal! It means what, it means what a goal. Golazo is not just goal, but it's usually reserved for when it's like a very, very impressive goal. But it's like what a goal! What a fucking okay. you know, what a shot. Hey, Joaquin Buckley, K. Galazzo, brother, right? Yeah. K. K Galazzo. Yes, that's exactly what it would be. All right, time for uh, Social yeah. Justice and Wednesdays there, BC. Why don't you take it away, good sir? Yeah, this is our new segment for the second time here. SJW, what we do is we comb the interwebs here. Who's talking to who and what? And we bring in the ju- the great judge, Luke Fauci himself, to declare a decision <laughs> Can I be, can I be I'll say, if I'm going to be a judge... Because Anthony Fauci is a, you know, disease, infectious disease specialist. Who is a Kevin, judge a I could be named after her? Named after her. Yeah, I guess I could have went with uh, with uh, WAP. What about, there, what about uh, can I be named after Lance Ito, who was the judge in the OJ case? Yes, Judge Ito. Thank you. But thank you. By the way, there is a boxer named Ito under the top rank stable, and they call him the judge, which is fantastic. Oh, uh, we start out here with a ongoing, look, still going right now, social feud, John Jones versus Israel Adesanya. No, we're not talking about hiding under the cage here. Uh, can we bleep out that N-word next time? But here's what John <laughs> is saying, Luke. Uh, yeah. Quick, quick, quick trigger right there. That was great. Uh, John basically <laughs> saying... That was the first thing um, I noticed. I'm like, they put the N-word on the screen? Okay. <laughs> Let's bring in Al Campanis here. Uh, Luke, here's the deal. Uh, he's saying, base, John's basically saying, I'm done. You know, I'm going to put this beef on ice. You know, that you refuse to fight me. No need to give you any more attention, which is such a passive-aggressive way to sort of, like, say I'm too good for this, but then get sucked back in. So someone says, hey, John, it's clear he doesn't want to fight you. And um, John's like, no, no, for real. This time, though, this time for real, I'm done here. Uh, yeah. No, I'm back. Hold on. I'm back in. I'm back in. I got more to say. It's Izzy here. I'm back in. Hold on. Hold on. We got any Dude, more of these? Is- Israel Adesanya drives him crazy. Does he not? Yes. V- vice versa, by the way. Izzy is better at hiding it, I think. But I think John drives him crazy, too. No, he's in John's head. Straight up. You're watching it in front of you. He's in John's head. So here's Izzy coming back. I was playing cold. I will bust a fat nut tonight. Wow. 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 Okay. It's getting a little gross in here. A little, little, little limp. No more dick pills. Thank you. Okay. Uh, where are we going here? I haven't, I haven't read these in advance, as you can see by that great N-word slip we had there. Well, basically, the idea is that here's one of the central problems. Uh, Adesanya beats Costa, right? Then uh, goes into quarantine and MMA media start reaching out and they want to do interviews. 
And whether he even has beef with John online or not, dude, if I get an interview with Israel Adesanya post-Costa, there's no way you don't ask about John Jones. There's no way you don't. Yes. And so, if you're, yes, Ooh, if you are Adesanya... Sorry, can I pause be, you to say a jizz stain in the society of ABQ? That Where are we going here? Wow. Dude, there are, right. there's a lot of talk about people's balls and jizz between these two. It's quite, it's quite noticeable. Very on brand for this show. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh... I would just say, you know, in defense of, frankly, either John doesn't do a lot of interviews uh, and, and Israel does. And so Israel is going to look like he's constantly talking about John, which to an extent he is. But that's partly like the fault of like doing media or just the media's fault, however you want to say it, because they're the ones asking him. Now, granted, he doesn't go on and say, yeah, we're going to talk about something else. He kind of gets into it. But it's not like he's out of the blue being like, fuck John Jones. He's he's responding to questions. Uh, so the the theme of these, as you were talking, Luke, was uh, John's doubling down on look. You know, John says he's out, now he's back in. But the whole point of what John's saying is, fight me already, right? Fight me. So who will? You know, I, I I can clearly say Adesanya won this Twitter battle here. He had the better jabs. He he came out with the pictures. I mean, this is this is brilliant photoshopping right here. Oh, but is there any substance? Is there any substance to what John's saying? Fight me already. Don't tell me you need to wait. You know, to build up. Let's do it right now. Who wins from that perspective? So here's the thing. If you, and actually, it's, it's very interesting. If you read Adesanya's mentions, most people take his side. If you read John's mentions, most people take his side. The, here's where I come down. One, you had the self-own with the, you know, I, I did hide under the cage bit, which I was like shocked yeah. he said. Hey, but explain okay. your titty already, right? Yeah, I mean, they're talking about titties, jizz, you know, butt sex. I mean, everything is on here uh, on the table. But the, the thing that comes down to is John's basic argument is fight me. And Izzy's is like, no, not yet. And so it looks like Izzy is being somewhat either hypocritical or ducking or whatever. But John has never gone up to heavyweight in all his career begging other middleweights to fight him when two of the last three opponents you faced were former middleweights and now you want another one when you've never gone up in weight to me is not the strongest argument. So I actually think... Izzy's, while he, re and here, that, well, this is the other part of it. Izzy recognizes he's not, maybe he's ready now, but before he wasn't quite ready. I so there's a little bit of that. that involved too. I still, look, I think Izzy's winning these battles. I think he is in John's head. I think he is wittier and quicker from the idea of, of being a keyboard warrior here. Um, John is going back to the well repeatedly and saying, well, then fight me. So here's what I say. Izzy knows John's future is at heavyweight. So fight him now before he goes up there. And I think if you're, you know, and I know that plays more into John Jones, because if you are John Jones, you want to fight Izzy when he's the er, as early as you can and also before he puts on the strength and proves he can go up there. So I do stand by John and say this, bro, if you are going to talk that kind of ish, if you are going to, you know, go to those levels, then fucking fight me already, bro. All right. Yeah, he Let's could he could fight. do it. He could do it now. He could do it now. I think now but it's okay. Who else is who else are we saying so deserves it? Even if Robert Whitaker gets a win uh, coming up here, Luke, I, I know I want to see Whitaker out of Sonya too. It will happen eventually. But I don't think I, I, I this is the time. The time is right. It's the time of the season, all right? For 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 loving. Let's do it. All right? I love this crap. All right. Well, I would still say you know, I just don't like the argument that like, oh, you should come up to weight, uh, weight class and fight me, which I agree he should. But if you've never gone up in weight, it's a harder argument to make. 
John also has too many skeletons to be getting into a back and forth like this. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like, dude, you know, play the dozen. Here's the thing. I actually think John Jones is an underrated trash talker, but uh, it's a little bit more verbally in person. I, I can bear witness to that, you know, myself, hashtag 2017. But in all seriousness, I actually think he's pretty good. But when he goes on these long ones over and over and over again, then the car runs out of gas. But that initial sprint is pretty good. Well, he's pretty good when he has the upper hand. Look, he dominated Daniel Cormier and still kind of does to this day, even with John's drug issues, whenever they go back and forth. And the, the large basis of that is he's got history of having beaten DC twice in the cage, asterisk right. or not. So, look, all beefs at the end of the day end with, let's fight already. F it. John already beat DC twice. He's always been in his head. He was better there. But when it's even terms or somebody has an advantage, I mean, look, Izzy's a witty dude. He didn't win this. He could win the fight, though. So let's make the fight. That's all I got to say, Luke. And yes, he did send you to the, to the basement, the deep, dark depths. You've rebounded well, Luke, and you didn't hold it against him, which is nice. I don't hold it against Mike Perry. Yeah, see, it tells you, like, I, I didn't really, I mean, that didn't bother me all that much, to be quite honest with you. It was fun for, you know, online fodder and that kind of thing. And my mentions were a graveyard for the next six months. But uh, it, it didn't really bother me all that much. It, it, you know, other things that fighters have done have bothered me much more. All right, all right. Well, let's move on to number two in the SJ. Wait, may and I'll pause it. What other things, Luke? People are going to get. People are going to say, "BC, why didn't you follow up? You're an interviewer. Why didn't you follow up? Oh, That's a loaded I mean, statement from." There's Luke. a million fighters I would love to send to hell, and I could, but. Oh wow! I hope there none okay. of them fight at one one five. Okay, here we go. Number two on the SJW, <laughs> Aljamain Sterling and Peter Yan. It goes like this from Aljo. Hey Dana White, I'm waiting for your chicken in December. Give me your chicken. Or coming for that ass. Ooh, even a hashtag paused right Pause. there. Luke, what else does this guy need to do? I guess this is what he has to do. He's got to go on Twitter to get this title shot he's already deserved. You know I'm what? For, for a dude you, who head. doesn't speak English, does anyone have a better Twitter game than Peter Yawn? Honestly. He really shows no mercy. Yes. He, he's <laughs> he's right amazing. To the point. He's, he's amazing. I, I, so the question is, who is running his account? Whoever it is, understand something. Speaking another language is very hard, right? The person who runs it not only speaks English, but like understands slang and how to like catch and throw back. Like they're really quite good at it. Shouts to that person. They deserve a gold medal here. Uh, yeah, I'm not big on like emojis for like ass and stuff like that, unless you're an Instagram, you know, influencer. <laughs> Um, well, look, Aljo did say, remember that interview after he beat Sanhagen when he was like, Peter Jan, I'm coming for you. I'm going to come all over you. That was that was accidentally awkward. Uh, look, I think Peter Jan, this is either a push. Or I, want, Peter I Jan want someone to do that and realize like mid interview that they've totally jacked it up and then realize, you know what? I'm just going to go all in like we're going to fuck you and me. Two guys banging. That's what's going to be. Yeah, I think Mike Tyson did that once. Remember that time during the Lennox Lewis press conference? He's like, I'm going to F you till you love me. Yeah, that was yes. not a good moment. Then All right, Luke, um, it might be a push in terms of who won, unless you like Peter Jan's counter jab there of the dickhead. But I think Aljo's wins the argument, right? Give him the damn title. What are we doing here? I agree. I agree. As, as interesting as Peter Jan is on Twitter, whoever runs his account, Sterling's argument is airtight. And the fact that it's gone on this long, it, all it does is make Sterling more and more and more a sympathetic character. Because you can't say he's not done enough. He's not only done enough, he put the cherry on top with a goddamn exclamation point. And yeah. so 
all of this hemming and hawing and you're going to get what's yours and blah, blah, blah. It makes them look like they're delaying, like they're like maybe they're scared. Certainly just not interested in being in the Algerman Sterling business when that's the only business in town. No doubt about, about it. 10-9, Aljamain Sterling. Easy call. Yeah, I mean, what, what is this, a skin color thing? I mean, give the guy a damn title shot. Even Sanhagen said it. And, and by the way, we love Corey Sanhagen, right? That win was fantastic. You had a great interview with him. You did a dissected on him. We basically blew the guy on Monday. He got smoked by Aljo. Put Sterling in that damn sure fight did. already. Like, come on, bro. By the way, I did like in your interview, um, people think I don't read or listen to your content. Well, I don't read your content ever. But, uh, Luke, uh, you in, in, in uh, the Sandman talking about Lomachenko Lopez, I kind of popped for that. All right? Yeah. Did you, what, what did you notice when he mentioned his influences? They were Willie Pep. They were Floyd Brunel Mayweather, Whitaker, and they were Floyd and they Mayweather. were Nonito Donaire, all boxers. Yeah, that was that was fantastic, right there. I love that. Um, you know what's funny? MMA fans. We'll talk about this in a minute. They're they're like, you know, uh, uh, they don't like talking boxing all that much. MMA fighters love talking boxing. Oh, love it, love it. Rashad Evans loves it. Yeah, they love every. They all they all do. They all love it. They respect the game. Luke, uh, we talked about maybe that Big Brown gave him that Sandman nickname. I'm kind of envious of the Big Brown nickname. Do you think I could pull off Big Beige? Um, Big Beige. God, it sounds like an old Navy sail. It's kind of manly, right? It sounds bad at first. It sounds a little lame at first, but then you think about it, you're like, yeah, The Big yeah. Beige sail at Old Navy. At the Luke, nearest... did you have a nickname growing up, Luke? What, what did they call you in Old Marietta? No, not, not that I'm aware of. You never had a nickname. Like, in, in my hometown, I was soup to, like, there are legions of people in my hometown who still don't know that I have a first name. I didn't carry that into adulthood with me. You know, I think I'm BC to you, but uh, what did they, were you, LT? Uh, LT a lot was one. Uh, a buddy of mine, when I first started jujitsu, I was so clumsy and I was bigger than most people, obviously, that he called me Dino. Dino was a big one. Uh, all right. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I didn't love it either. It didn't really stick, but he tried. What did they call you in Doha? Nothing. You fucking clown. Okay. Wow. Wow. God. All right. That's great. Hey, the, next on the uh, SJW, it's BC versus uh, Dino here. All right. No, it's Nate Diaz jumping in, Luke. With all this talk, this is typical shit, right? Everyone else is getting a big fight but Nathan Diaz. So he's going to jump in here, Luke. Uh, what was this video again? Is this Hooker and Burns? That's what yes, it looks like. This was Hooker beating, the, beating up Burns. Uh, I don't understand what, what is he saying here. Can why was the tweet unavailable? Did he delete it? No, it was just the video. Uh, and then so Nate comes back, and I think this was in reaction to uh, Connor and Poirier talk. Well, first he said, your boy's the number one welterweight right now. Is Who's he that? trying to say... Tomorrow? I think he's trying to tell Stylebender that your boy Hooker, for having previously beaten Gilbert Burns, did that happen? Ah, yes. Okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Uh, and so now Hooker's trying to get a fight with him? I don't know what's yeah. So Hooker's trying to get a fight with him, but I was looking more at the Nate Diaz comments when he went on. Do we do we can we advance the slide here? Where he's getting pissed because you know Connor took everything he worked for, Luke, and now Connor's getting linked to another big. 
How did he smoke Poirier? So this is what I wanted to ask you. I don't think Nate wins this battle because he didn't fight Poirier. In fact, I went to look at his record. I'm like, did I just forget that happened back in like 2012? No, it never happened. Uh, wasn't it Nate who pulled out of that fight? Am I mistaken or was it Poirier? Uh, yeah. I, who, pulled, I, who, I, who pulled out of that one? Oh, maybe it was Poirier. I think that's the issue. It was Poirier. Oh, yeah. so he's saying I beat Poirier at Madison Square Garden because Poirier didn't show up for the fight, right? That's what I he's see. saying, right? Yes. I mean, here's the thing. The old, I'll, you I'll, forfeit, you lose. Okay, I get I'll give it, the, I'll, I'll give the Diaz brothers credit. When was the last time they pulled out of a fight due to injury? Have they ever done that? I mean, they're Ironmen. And I know that like, sometimes, for example, Nate Diaz, when he fought Rafael Dos Anjos, he went into that fight very, very much injured and, you know, Probably, I think he would have lost anyway, but that was a big reason why he lost, at least as badly as he did. Um, but those two are Ironmen. When they say they're going to fight on a date, and you know, which is hard to get them to do that, but if they say they're going to do it and they sign on the dotted line, do they show up? Well, Nick doesn't come to the media stuff, but for the fight itself, they show up. <laughs> like, they, they never get They'll injured. They fight in the hospital room, Joe Riggs. They don't care, right? No doubt about it. But here's the thing. It's like, I'll let it slide if you slapped Khabib at a brawl or you chucked a beer at him at a World Series of Fighting events. But Dustin Poirier is about as battle-tested as they come. When he says he's injured, I believe him. <laughs> I think that doesn't count as a win. Uh, I do love this. I, I don't know if Nate wins this argument here. Uh, I don't know if he ever wins arguments, but I do love that anytime somebody else gets a fight, you can expect some cryptic, weird sort of tweet. Like, what is this saying now? Does he want to fight for the 165 title? Against who? Who is he talking about? I don't care. Make 165 versus anybody. Yeah, I see. I love, I love Dustin Poirier's confidence. You put that there. It's great. I will say there is something about the Diaz's abilities to, to declare victory that is just amazing. The offer wasn't yes. for you, dumbass. Real fighters only already lost, and you and your teammate are both fighting your friends. Fake-ass fighters. It's very um, Chael Sonnen-like. It's very Charlie Z-like to just declare victories that never happened or, or you know, whatever. Yeah, Isn't it amazing? It's like the court can be like, Mr. Diaz, we, uh, we and the jury and the above entitled, you know, blah, 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 uh, find you guilty of all charges related to the crime, blah. And he would walk out with his hands up in the air for the media, both hands up there. It's amazing. He never, ever thinks he loses, which I got to say, I wish I had that kind of... Uh, you know, uh, the, just the confidence in that whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, thank you, Nate, for taking part this week. Uh, can we get him in a fight? Uh, I'm, I'm starting to get scared that, like, we're probably never going to see Nate again in a big one. Like, uh, okay, what's his money fight right now? I mean, to lose to Mazda all got, second time? I think he's got one or two more. and then it's, He's going to be 35 soon if he's not already 35. Like, he's got I mean, one or two more. Will he get, true or false, will he get the Connor trilogy before? Will it will yeah. it happen, ever happen? Yeah, I think it will. Mm -hmm. Okay, especially so if, especially if Connor loses to Dustin for sure. Okay, but neither Diaz will ever be in an important fight that has title implications, right? Correct. Uh, I'm not ready to say that, dude. Nick needs to just you know breathe, and they'll throw his ass in a title fight. You know. I don't know. I don't know. I, th I, what, I guess the point of me saying this is I used to believe that, and I do believe that UFC. Uh, even with how hard the Diaz's are to work with, just basically dropped the ball the last three, four years, especially during that, you know, post Connor Nate era, that three years where Nate didn't fight at all, whatever. Like, you could have done a lot there. But I'm wondering now if, if like, the legend, like, you know, they're just living on legend now. Like, you know what I mean? You get to that point, you know, where, like, are you just going to go in there and, and lose? Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like it's over. We had a great run, Luke. I feel like it's over. 
Well, you said that about uh, Khabib Connor, and maybe you're right, or at least about Connor, but he's not quite done yet, so we'll see. Yeah, so there's our SJW for the week, Luke. Uh, hopefully we'll get some, some better beefs next week. Maybe I'll just call it Chuck Mindenhall. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so I guess we're going to do a fan art after deep dive. Let's do the uh, deep dive here if we can. I think it's going deep or deep dive or whatever the hell we're calling it here. We do it balls every deep, Wednesday. Elbow yeah, deep. Yeah, balls deep, whatever. We do it every Wednesday here on Morning Combat, and this is where we sort of take a topic and give it a little bit more treatment. Today I wanted to dig into something I, th- I find kind of interesting. And you see it on this show with the fans of it all the time, but you see it really everywhere. Despite the fact that MMA and boxing as communities and sports have pretty significant overlap in terms of how they are structured, certainly MMA borrowed its scoring system. It is uh, you know, the promotional style and press conferences. They've departed in recent years and found their own niche and their own audiences, and there are meaningful differences between the two, to be clear. But it never seems to... They never seem to like the other community very much. Now, in recent years, we have shows like this one that combine both. Um, You know, we had our crossover between Pacquiao, excuse me, between Mayweather and Conor. You see more and more boxers and MMA fighters cross-training or having the same trainers. The worlds are integrating more than they ever have, BC. But the animosity... (laughs) Yeah, there's old James James Tony. Tony. But the, 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 the worlds themselves while they might be integrating, that animosity never goes away. Why is there such rivalry between the MMA and boxing world? I fear it's a good question, and I feel like it's come up lately, maybe not nationally or as a narrative you know, that's all over social media, but kind of in our own audience. I feel like we see this a lot, Luke. You know, the, uh, Please put the timestamps up. I'm only here for Luke's MMA analysis. I ain't got time for this Showtime boxing bullshit. You know? Or this week, hey... Uh, MK brought me here, but I don't care about Lomachenko Lopez. I see all those comments. I don't get it, Luke, okay? I remember in the... Look, I'm one of the biggest NBA fans of all time. I remember in the late 90s, early 2000s, getting into fights with people. The NBA sucks, man. All I care about is college. That's the real basketball. Dude, it's basketball, all right? It's basketball at the end of the day. Stop. Do they do that? Dude, people say, you know, I hate track and... I'm a decathlon guy. I hate javelin on its own. You know, does anybody ever say that? No. What is the deal here? It's fighting. Yeah, it's a little bit different, but I still don't get it. You know, we're a long way, Luke, from... The idea that maybe boxing fans or the powers that be were nervous that UFC was rising. And maybe the mountaintop of that initial buzz was that infamous Sports Center debate between Joe Rogan and uh, Lou DiBella, the boxing promoter. You remember that? It was like a 10 8 round for Rogan. But yep. at that time, people were still kind of like, man, I can't get down with this MMA stuff. It's just, as Bob Arum once famously told Ariel, a bunch of skinhead people watching skinhead people fight each other. Um, Dude, we're way past that, okay? Uh, A lot of us in the media now are starting to cover both at the same time. The Kevin Iolis, the you and I, the Andreas Hales. A a lot of our brethren in this game are covering all of it. The fighters themselves seem to like both sides. I get that, you know, boxing in particular, the, the, the backbone core foundational fan is a lot of times, you know, Hispanic-based or, or urban-centered. And maybe there's, you know, maybe there's still that stigma of, you know, I'm not really into these Affliction t-shirt-wearing guys. But even that feels five to ten years too old, Luke. I don't really have the answer. What the hell's the problem here? Um, I've seen MMA fans get plenty jazzed up for a big-time boxing match. Why the week-to-week get that crap away from me? Is it because, Luke, just the fact, and it's a fact, 
Boxing constantly shoots itself in the foot. Boxing is disorganized. The closer you get to boxing, you better love boxing because the closer you get to it, uh, honest, straight up honest, the harder it makes you be, the harder it is to be a consistent fan because you always, you got to pay everywhere to watch stuff. You got to wait forever for fights to happen. You end up debating with each other. And we get into this on the show. We just did that Fury Wilder segment. You talk more about promoters, networks, managers, and the other stuff than you do about when are these two going to fight. But that's a reality. It's where we're at. It really, it's not brand new. So outside of that, if you're somebody who didn't like combat sports, if boxing wasn't one of your original sports, guys our age, Luke, we grew up with the Rocky movies. We were into Leonard Hagler or early Tyson. There's something that hooked us where we were like, I'm always going to love this game. I get maybe you're a little younger, so UFC, the best versus the best was the first time you saw it. But how the heck could you be a fan of mixed martial arts and look at boxing and be like, I just don't get it. Get that crap away from me. Like, really? So there's a couple of things I think about here. One is, you know, fighting is not fighting is not fighting. It is for you and me, for the most part. But even then, I don't, I certainly do not dislike it, but I am not as attracted to various forms of kickboxing as I am boxing, MMA, and frankly, jiu-jitsu or even wrestling. I like those a little bit more. So it's not true that I like all the combative sports all equally. Everyone's going to have their preferences, sometimes in extreme kind of ways where you only like boxing or you only like MMA. Um, But it is true that there's enough there where just because you like one combat sport doesn't mean you're going to like all of them. I think that's one thing we just have to kind of wrap our head around. And it's a hard thing to understand when there's so many similarities, but it is just true. The second thing I would say, though, is I don't think MMA fans realize how much the, you know, the tail is wagging the dog here a little bit, which is to say Dana White and the UFC for a long time, and this much less so these days, although with the Zufa boxing stuff, he kind of brought it back. But there was a time when what Dana White would do is he would say, and, and I'm not necessarily saying he's wrong or, or that I begrudge him. I don't. But he made it a point to actively say what we do in the UFC is not just what we think is better. We think it's better because we are fixing everything that ails boxing. They positioned it in the minds of fans and to the media and to the public as think of all the things that are wrong with boxing. We're going to do the opposite over here and we're going to do it with a fight style that's a little bit more um, to some dynamic. Doug Stanhope is famous. is one of my. I think he's the best living comedian personally. He has said that he can't watch uh, boxing anymore because he watches MMA, and to him, boxing is like watching all-white basketball. That's his joke. I disagree, but I can understand why certain fans feel that way. But the big key is there have been concerted efforts from a public relations fan recruitment standpoint of picking up on those things you talked about, BC, that are wrong with boxing, and even boxing insiders will tell you they don't like it. There's many, many things that are legitimately broken. And it's not necessarily true that UFC has fixed them, but you don't feel them as much. And when I say that they haven't fixed them, yes, more of the best do fight the best in UFC. And there is this greater alignment between the fan and the promoter over there. But it comes at the cost of the fighter, right? It comes at the cost of their rights and their pocketbook and their control over their destiny, which is still a problem in boxing, but not nearly as pronounced. And so the fan doesn't necessarily feel or even really be aware of it, but I don't think you can lose sight of Scott Coker doesn't really do this kind of thing. 
right? He's never made Strike Force or Bellator or whatever he's been a part of as the antidote to what you don't like in boxing. It's just, I love the martial arts. That's not what Dana White did. And I think, honestly, it was pretty clever. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's fair to prefer one to the other. It's fair to be like, I'll watch boxing because it's, it's a fist fight. It's something I've been in my life. I've seen I'm not into grappling on the ground. If it's anything separation like that, but I guess I don't get the extreme level of like, they're the enemy. It's like that. That's like right. so like 15, But dude, what about ago. this? Like, what about this? Like we went together, we covered, we did the, uh, the YouTube online prelim stream for uh, the uh, Danny Garcia, Ivan Redcatch fight at the, at the uh, Barclays Center. This was pre-pandemic. It was January, I think. And I remember it was, I was kind of struck by something. I have been to, I don't know, dude, hundreds of MMA fights, and I would say a couple dozen boxing fights. Not nearly as many, but, you know, more than a few. And I remember I was thinking back when I was there at Barclays Center, I was also at the, um, at the Broner-Theophane fight in D.C., at the D.C. Armory. And I remember looking around there, and I was looking around at the crowd at the Barclays Center, and in both cases, something struck me. They were both overwhelmingly black. The audience was heavily African-American. In fact, at the one in D.C., I may have been one of five white people there. I mean, it was 98% black who was there. I have never been to any MMA fight, UFC, Strikeforce, Bellator, you name it. Not once have I ever been to one that was like that. So it's not just that there's a divide in terms of preferences. Man, there's a real divide along demographics, and I think that's changing to a degree but it, you see it in person like that, and you can't – they're different communities, bro. And I, that just cannot be ignored. Yeah, and that might be it at the end of the day. I mean, it, it, it's hard to – you know, I'll tell you from experience covering both, it's hard to get the same attention on things like podcasts and page views on stories for, for you know, regular boxing compared to regular MMA. And, and I think some of that is – is culturally and the kind of people that go after podcast. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it is very much the, the core backbone markets are completely different. Um, but there's no reason why you can't watch both and support both. And I, and, and the crossover is like, I mean, look, it, I feel it's the same way with pro wrestling and I get, you know, that there's just going to be some people like you who just don't, don't care. You just don't want it. It's just not your thing. It's fake. I get it. It's good. That's it. fine. Okay. What about this, though? I've told but, you that. But what I've, it is, though, what, hold on. What it is in boxing and MMA are the same thing. And in some ways, you know, the promoters take from pro wrestling. They all have the same center, which is these two guys are going to fight each other. It's going to be violent. It's different forms of violence. It's going to be skillful. It's going to be competitive. And we're going to try to make you care by either inflicting a, a, a real or fake hatred between them or a storyline or a backstory or something. I mean, to me, that is all universal. And I get where there's, you enter these sports for different reasons. And I've said it before, like, I appreciate technique. I appreciate this and that. I still get jazzed for the, the hype, the fight, the, oh my God, what's it going to look like? Oh, that guy said that about that person. I still care about that. So maybe it's easier for me to slide. I mean, look, if Glory Kickboxing tomorrow had these big name stars and you cared about them and you watched their highlights and it was in front of my face, I'd probably get into that too, Luke, because it's fighting at the end of the day and I love it. But, uh, 
I'm never going to sit here and be like, oh, man, kickboxing blows. Get that crap away from me. No, it's pretty good. You know what else is good is the NHL. I don't watch it, but if you made me, I'd be like, well, it's pretty good. Yeah, I remember. Here's the thing. How did you you get into MMA? Because I've said this before. When I grew up, um, you know, we were kids during the Mike Tyson era. He was just... You know, it's just larger than life figure. But as I got a little bit older, I began to gravitate. I had a, well, I, you know what? It's true. I had a friend when I was 14 years old who was like, you got to check out this Hoist Gracie guy. And I kind of shifted my focus at that point to that. But I never hated boxing. And in fact, when I began to cover MMA, I would see the traffic that boxing would do. And so it got me to watch boxing again. And then understanding some of the limitations of MMA striking got me to appreciate some of the very specific skills of boxing. And so what I mean to say is, MMA got me back into boxing. It's actually how I, 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 I developed such a love for combat sports that to me, this is just my own personal journey. I, I cannot say anyone else would be like this. It got me to realize, my God, there are guys who are able to do this in different ways in other arenas, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, boxing, whatever. And so I began to watch and I began to learn as a consequence. You are, I think, a little bit the opposite. You've always been a much more of a hardcore boxing fan. How did you get into MMA? Uh, the, the more of the spectacle, be, spectacle, to be honest. Uh, I got the illegal cable box where you can get all pay-per-views for free right as UFC was launching. So I had heard the rumors, and it wasn't until I was at like a family picnic in Backwoods, Pennsylvania, when one of my uncles was like, did you see that UFC fight when the guy was punching the other guy in the balls a hundred times? I was like, what? And it turns out it was the Keith Hackney-Joe San fight, which was what? UFC 3, maybe? And uh, I remember specifically my grandfather, who was a longtime boxing fan, kind of uh, in some ways a lot of it imprinted it on me because every time I was in his living room in Pennsylvania, he'd be watching boxing when I was little and I wanted to watch other stuff. Um, he was laughing uncontrollably telling me that story. So maybe I got into it, Luke, because another guy punched a guy in the balls in the bare knuckle cage. And I was like, man, I got to see this. Went home, got so fired up for the next UFC, watched UFC 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 on a legal cable box. And it really, it was for the, this is like a backyard street fight put in a cage. I want to see if that fat guy can beat that little guy. And um, it, it, a lot of it, though still kind of my pull into that i want to see what these two guys look like when they're matched up together and who's the tougher guy so I, again i appreciate that the uh the skill and technique in it i love the spectacle i love the raw violence of it i love all that side of it and i you know and 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 i think if you do from this point of view god you love all combat sports yeah yeah that's not exactly my journey mine was going to mention a little bit different and what's kind of interesting too is I've been in boxing gyms, and I remember I went to this one boxing gym years ago when I was trying to get a little bit of training. And, it, you know, every boxing gym is run by some old guy who is just so shitty and rude to you. And it was true here in D.C. And he was like, do you have any striking experience? And I had a little bit. I had a couple of years under my belt doing some Muay Thai. And, you know, I was not very good at it. But, you know, I, had, you know, I showed up and I tried, and you get a little something along the way. And as soon as I said that, I immediately regretted it because if, it would have been better if I had said nothing. Because I went in there and he was like, your technique sucks. Everything is miserable about you. Your jab is terrible. You blah, 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 blah. And they just went on their way to find every reason they could to take a dump on you. They, they really, they had a certain degree of hostility to it. Now, I think some of that has changed a little bit, BC. And here's what I mean. Not that the average person wouldn't go into a boxing gym. And if you told you I had MMA training, they would say something about it in a negative way. They might still do that. But at the elite end, here's what I have noticed. I have talked to MMA fighters at the elite level, and I've talked to boxers at the elite level. There's much more crossover training than there used to be between them. 
like just getting in work with the other guy. And then the other part is, I feel like one of the arguments that used to get made about MMA was it's just two guys brawling and there's no technique about it, at least not very much. And that partly was a function of their own ignorance, but partly it wasn't. Partly is because MMA striking used to just be really bad. That is not as much the case anymore. Well, I can also, show. Luke, on that vein, and you're right, and I want you to finish the point, but on that vein, really through what? Like 2002 or three or four, it was still largely presented as who's the craziest, strongest guy? These two guys are going to get in a cage, right? It was, it was presented as two skinhead white guys going in there and fighting to the death and, and bare knuckle. I mean, like, re- like, seriously, like it wasn't ever... I know the Gracies had a hidden plan to show off their jizzoots, but uh, that was never really the case. Uh, you know, so there were people that that's the only real taste they ever got of the sport. That's right. And so, you know, to me, I don't know how you could be somebody who really understands boxing. You could be a boxer, and I could show you what Adesanya did to Costa, and they couldn't appreciate it. I bet you they could. There's no way to look at that and say, well, this guy is not skilled. Doesn't mean you'll like it. Doesn't mean you'll become a huge fan tomorrow, but you can't make the same argument. And so what I found is that they have, in many cases, retreated to the idea that, like, I like what I like. I like steak. I don't like chicken. It's just going to be that. So my question to you is, BC, we've seen fighters become very good strikers, the kind that other boxers can admit are very talented. We've even seen MMA fighters reach heights of popularity that are Pacquiao Mayweather-esque, right, between Khabib and Conor. If that doesn't convince them, I don't know what will. Is there any way in your mind to meaningfully not change people's preferences forever, but bridge that gap a little bit? Uh, well, let's be honest, Luke, this show, in a lot of weird ways, can bridge that gap. We do have people that come here only for the boxing takes or only for the MMA analysis, and they're going to get a little on them, right? You can look at the timestamp, you can skip ahead, or you can realize that we got a passion for both games, and there's reason to love both. Uh, I don't know how to fix this. Maybe it just takes a few more years. Yes, some people are never going to love both, but... Uh, Hopefully, Luke, we can be a vehicle for change. I don't think there's any other. It's part of the beauty of this show. What other show at this level gives you both fight sports, all fight sports at the same time with this level uh, fun and analysis? Uh, I don't know what else what else we can do, Luke. Okay. The last thing I'd say is. is it's also just a part of what's considered martial arts and what's not. Like kickboxing is considered part of martial arts, so a lot of MMA fans go to that. And boxing is not for some reason and so for the, for that there's this separation but i think a lot of these rules that we've put in place are just artificial okay bc time for uh, our, our our next and final segment well i Take gotta away, pause you there is breaking news in the world of sports right now luke i don't know if you've seen this if you have not they're calling you uh brett okamoto has talked to dana white this is just off our recent discussion december 12th co-main event pay-per-view he has targeted aljo challenging peter yan for the bantamweight title well done. Yes. Okay. Very good. Finally. I don't know what the hell the weight was, but is, hey. What's the main event? Is that, so is that Cyborg Megan Anderson is the main event? Yes. No, not Cyborg. Amanda Nunes. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, my bad. Amanda Nunes, Megan Anderson. Okay. Okay. I'd flip him. Luke, I'd flip him. I'm sorry. I'd flip him. All right. Well, go ahead. Take away our last segment here, good sir. I'd flip him, Luke. I'd flip them. Great. I don't care. All right, hey, we're going to start a new segment. We're going to break this off from what we do each week and have you seen this shit. We get so overwhelmed and flooded in a good way with all creative fans. It started with Web Scream, and we got a lot of clones out there. Uh, Pictures wearing our ish, 
fan art submissions. So why don't we go? We'll put them in a chokehold. Let's start with the fan submissions, Luke. Talk about international shipping. How this right? happen? From Gavin Whalebone at Gavwa23 on Instagram. Check out this photo overlooking the Sydney Opera House there, Luke, with the bridge, the harbor, and the MK mug and tumbler. Well done. That is amazing. Good for this person. That's great. I'm glad to see that. Could be Photoshop BC, and I wouldn't know the difference, but either way, I'll take it. Hey, we, we bring the thunder down under. It is true, all right? We, we, we big in Aussie land. So shout out to Oz right there and, and Nate or, or whatever that guy's name was. All By right, the moving way, on. How about- I would say this. The Brits and the Aussies might be two of the, the nicest fans, at least to us. Anyway. Thank you. Yes, yes. And, and the guys from Cutter are, are pretty cool, too. Uh, this is from Nate the Great Lux on Instagram. There's a nice little selfie of him in the restroom, Luke, wearing that MK sweatshirt. Looking yeah. good, right? And playing Sean Price on the uh, Instagram story. Oh, well done there. Well done. You do rock a Sean Price t-shirt now and then, Luke. Uh, I certainly do. And this gentleman is rocking our MK gear, looking good doing it. Yes, he's been, he been on the bench, right? He's been, he's been working out those pecs. Shout out to Nate the Great right here. We move on. This is from Jan Hairview on Twitter. It's an MK-inspired <laughs> throwback boxing poster, Luke. A presentation of Showtime. Why am I uh, butterbean in this, Luke? Yeah, it's, it's not like I'm Schwarzenegger here either. I'm looking terrible. <laughs> I got no neck. Neither do you. Uh, Luke Thomas, a.k.a. Professor Salt and Pepper versus Brian Campbell, a.k.a. BC or Retail Lance Base. <laughs> well done right there. Yes. Also, I like it. Watch online or pound sand. It's great. Yes, there are there are plenty of other fun little one-liners in there. Uh, I think it. It says tip on tip boxing in the middle. Well done. Well done use of our of our fun there. Uh, let's bring on a guy who's becoming a regular as well. Luke, you know Brantendo64 on Instagram, yes. right? Yes. He created on a UFC video game. Check out this fight. Luke Thomas against the Canadian grappler himself, Ariel Hawani in UFC 4. It's a KO. Right that, hand, Luke. That is hilarious. I didn't realize you could do all this. That is hilarious. This looks like uh, Connor versus Jose Aldo, right? Uh, not even. This is uh, it's like Anthony Rumble Ooh. Johnson versus somebody. Wow, you gave that Canuck the two piece, Luke. Wow, hey, it's, look, it's at a, that. look, it's a it's a fan submission. We did not ask for this, but thank you. Looking My good there. My post fight celebration is uninspired, but I'll take it. Yeah, looking good in the salt and pepper. By the way, what what weight class is this? Okay, our yeah, boy I mean, Ariel. This he is ain't. like this is like UFC three right here. Yeah, this ain't this ain't working. This is yeah, this is Keith Hackney against that big guy. All right, let's go on here. This is from Des Berry. Luke, I don't know if you remember the name Des Berry, but do you remember that Christmas card we got during the drinking episode? In fact, yes. it's on his screen right there, Luke. He's the guy who sent us the, that great, beautiful Christmas card in that infamous drinking episode. Well, he sent us a note to go along with this picture. He says, "Hey, Brian." Hope all is good with you over the pond. Saw you posting pics of peeps with MK merch on the Monday show. Here I am indoors in wet and windy Cork, Ireland. Technically, I've been on the show before, as we can see. Had to become resourceful to get around Showtime's store, hating other nationalities to deliver to Ireland. All the best to you, Luke, and the MK team. Hope your success continues on the upwards trajectory. Luke, how do you think he acquired this merch? Shout out to Des Berry, man. Bro, these guys in Australia, Cork, Ireland, smuggling MK gear across the border like they're drug mules. I don't know how they're doing it, but God bless them. They are resourceful. 
I love the contraband. Well done. He looks good in that in that winter cap there, there as well. Well done, Desberry. We need to, we, you know, we need to go on tour. MK needs to hit Europe, and uh, this guy will be our co-host there. Well no done. Doubt. Uh, let's go on to from at Yuz Bite Year on Instagram. Uh, Luke, uh, no, I'm sorry. That's the wrong one here. That's the wrong one. I I, I screwed up here. That's <laughs> this is from at Trenchild. Uh, or, uh, that uh, is uh, an interesting cartoon here. Dude, the subtleties here are just amazing. You are dreaming of this awful scenario w- with big doe eyes, and I've got uh, eyeballs of red fury staring down at you in disgust. This is yeah. basically perfect. At Trenched, sorry. Uh, is that at Trenched? I can't even read my own, uh, my own stuff right there. Seems I want to get way. that guy's name right who sent that in. Well done. Well done there on the artwork. Uh, although you're looking a little bit 55 years old there in that picture, Luke. Yeah, who cares? It's, you know, I look like trash. Oh, come on. Come on, Luke. Don't, don't say that about yourself. All right, let's go to the next one here. I think I fell out of order. Here we go. Here's from Yuz Bite Year on Instagram, Luke. We made that joke the other week about <laughs> Ariel and the intervention. So here's a little How I Met Your Mother pick. Are you familiar with this scene from the classic show, Luke? Vaguely. My wife liked this show, so I've seen enough of it to get the gist, yes. So we are. they would do a, a friend intervention at any point. So this is you walking in, and I brought some of your uh, your famous foes. And, you know, shout out to Ioana there. Well done there at Yuz Bite Year. Uh, we got down to the bottom of it. Let's move on to a little bit more tip-to-tip action here. Look, this is from Joshua Manuatu. <laughs> Wait, you're God? How are you God? You're, you're damn right, Luke, okay? You're da- you see, you don't, this is what happens when you don't worship anything, Luke, okay? All right? I don't, it's bullshit that you get to be God. Well, you're jacked in this, at least, though, all right? You've been in the weight yeah, room. Yeah, but I mean, my hog is just pathetic in this picture. I mean, look at this thing. <laughs> all right, let's go on to the next one. We should, fr- by the way, that art, that art needs to be framed right there, okay? This is um, at Scott underscore M underscore oh. Rizzo. Scott Rizzo's been jumping in with stuff lately. Uh, another disciple, uh, MK Fight Club. I'm all in on this. I would frame this next to, next to any web screen creation you got that, that is right, amazing dude. i can't read what it says below our chins though what does it say there can you yeah, read, I it? Can't read it no mischief <laughs> mayhem soap well done well done there but luke do you think um web scream is going to be outdone by any of these guys you really no believe that? no the og come on Come on, I, I actually had to pick which one I was going to play this week from Web Scream because I've got so many in my DMs of his latest creations. How about this one, hitting Broadway anytime soon, Eric? Can we hit the button? <laughs> Morning Combat... <laughs> <laughs> oh. A Combat Sports Musical, Luke. Yes. Oh, MK that Hamilton. is awesome. Yes, well done. Well done to everybody. Sorry I butchered that guy's name who did the uh, the tip-on-tip cartoon drawing. Uh, well done to all of our people there, Luke. Thank you for uh, buying that our merch, wearing great. our merch, and sending in your creative abilities to love on us. Yes. yes. Uh, if you want to send those, very, very easy to do it. Yes, of course, you can DM Brian. You can also just email morningcombat at gmail.com. You can do that for questions for the show, for submissions for fan art, for whatever you want. It's there for you guys. Morningcombat at gmail.com. Now, don't forget a couple of things uh, we got to get to. On Friday's show, we are going to do Dead Wrong. So if you want to point out something we got wrong, again, 
morningcombat at gmail.com is going to be the place to do that. Uh, but I guess you can also put up our social media stuff if you want to, if they want to do that here. They didn't put yeah, the and check out, uh, I believe it's 10 p.m. Eastern, Thursday night on CBS Sports Network, Luke, is, is the uh, Bellator American debut on that network. Good fight there with Cyborg, as we talked about. So there you go. There's BC's Instagram if you want to DM him. There are my Instagram and Twitter. And then, of course, Morning Combat on Twitter, Morning Combat on Instagram, Morning Combat on YouTube. Reminder, tomorrow, 3 p.m. in the East, the live chat continues. I think it's episode like 51 or 52. Um, it'll be at 3 p.m. I'll put question, I'll put the thread up for questions on my personal page as well as the one here. Just follow me on Twitter for directions if you want to get a hold of that. Again, morningcombat at gmail.com. More interviews, Friday show, live chat, a bunch of stuff still coming your way. So plenty of MK action. If you want some of that merch that you saw featured here for the uh, fan art submissions, you can go to store.show.com. There is plenty available. Turns out you can smuggle it across the border. I'm not sure how, but people have found a way, so so can you. And, uh, yeah, if you want to try Showtime, do it. Showtime.com, 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can certainly cancel and be a loser on your own. BC, any who's parting our, thoughts who's here? On our, who's currently on our MK fan Mount Rushmore at the moment? Are we looking at, like, Web Scream, Des Barry, uh, the guy with the RV, Bill and Jen, shout out to those folks. We got some great people, Luke, all right? Yeah, but you know what? We also got some open slots. Like, Brantendo's on there, Web Scream's on there. Still, I feel like there's two more slots kind of up for grabs. There's some clubhouse leaders who you'd put there, but it's not a done deal. Okay, all right. Shout out to, to all our folks. And, uh, Luke, um, I'm, thinking about, I'm thinking about getting into shape, Luke. Like Don't you have a Peloton? Shape. I do, and I've been, I've been chipping away at it, but I'm thinking about... Uh, I'm, Think about going for it. All right. You want to have like a challenge? No, fuck challenges. No, I got kids. I can't do that shit. All right. right. We have to get out of here. I've got some work I got to do. So does BC. Plenty more content coming your way. Thumbs up on the video. Hit that subscribe. Morningcombat at gmail.com is where you can get in touch with us. We'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow. We will be back on Friday. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.